I think that you are the first haunted wedding venue that we've talked to. And I'm so curious, what makes you say that it's haunted? We realized we had some activity going on. We heard some footsteps and different things and thought back. And we, we've always had doors that open and closed on their own out there. And so I had a friend who was starting a paranormal team right around that time. And so I'd reached out to them to see if they wanted to come and investigate. And they did. And they had a lot of activity. <laughs> Rebecca Williamson, welcome to the Venue RX podcast. I am so excited to chat with you about, I think this is probably the the first venue of its kind on this show, right? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I do have kind of a unique wedding venue. Well, I can say with absolute certainty, I think that you are the first haunted wedding venue that we've talked to. And I'm so curious what what makes you say that it's haunted? Um, because I have ghosts there. <laughs> awesome. Okay. We're going to have to dive into this. Um, for anyone who's listening or watching, we're talking about the Cambry House. Is that how you say Cambry House? Yes. Cambry House. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And um, how long have you owned the venue? Um, I bought the venue in 2016 from my grandparents. So my grandparents actually bought it in 1979. So it's been in my family for quite a while, but I took over ownership in 2016. So at the time that you bought it, did you realize it was haunted or was this kind of a newer realization? Um, no, I did not realize it was haunted. I should have because, you know, I'd spent a lot of time out there as a kid and stuff, but um, I, it wasn't until I actually spent the night there. Um, that we realized we had some activity going on. We heard some footsteps and different things and you know, thought back and we, we've always had doors that open and closed on their own out there. And so, um, I had a friend who was starting a paranormal team right around that time. And so I'd reached out to them to see if they wanted to come and investigate and they did, and they had a lot of activity. <laughs> and so then, um, like the, the original concept was to open it as a wedding venue because when my grandparents owned it, they had weddings out there my cousins had gotten married out there and so i thought well natural progression so if we had a few weddings here we can have a few more um so original thought was wedding venue but then you know when i've got ghosts going on <laughs> you know um then then i'm like well you know let's try a ghost tour and see how that goes and so um the ghost tours have been wildly successful. So my venue is available to rent for weddings and paranormal investigations. So very interesting. Very interesting. How does that how does that make you feel? Is it something that you're kind of nervous about? Is there a level of excitement to it? Like people have all sorts of different, you know, reactions to the paranormal, right? And I'm kind of curious where where well, you know, when when we started, when we started. Um, I had a lot of people that told me that being haunted and hosting the paranormal investigations would scare away brides. And so for like the first two years, I, I, I ran them almost as two entirely separate businesses. Um, you know, here's the ghosts and here's the weddings and never the two shall mix. <laughs> you know, I kind of, you know, downplayed the ghost stuff when I was talking to the brides and downplayed the wedding stuff when I was talking to the ghost people. Um, but I actually worked with like a business coach and she sat me down and she says, 
Anytime you're running your business down to someone, you're running your business down to someone. <laughs> if you downplay it, you're downplaying your business. And so I rebranded everything at, to Haunted Wedding Venue. That's what all my stuff says now. I'm off Cambria House and Farm Haunted Wedding Venue. Um, and I found that once I did that, it really helped. Um, you know, like when I'm at the bridal expos, you know, they walk by and they're like, what is a haunted wedding venue? Like they'll stop in their tracks, <laughs> even if they aren't really like interested in my outdoor wedding venue, they're going to stop and they're going to talk to me to find out more because what is a haunted wedding venue? Um, and then like when I'm at the ghost expos, because I go to some paranormal expos too, um, it, again, same thing, like they stop in their tracks. What's the haunted wedding venue? <laughs> That's so cool. So. I, I love that you you decided just to kind of own it instead of like going down. And I, I think that was some great advice by that that business coach. Because yeah, you know, it's it's totally true. Yeah, it is. And then and then too, it's like um, it it takes a while to get the wedding venue stuff rolling. You know, because weddings are planned out so far in advance that you really have to get in as a venue owner. You will have to get in front of those brides before they even get engaged. It's like you're constantly chasing that that ball, you know? So, you know, when I first opened the venue, I went to my first wedding expo and thought I was gonna get all these bookings. And it's not really how it works in the wedding venue business, you know? When, when you go to those expos, they've already booked their venue. So you're kind of like marketing to their bridesmaids and stuff like that. So, you know, it that was really rough. And so like the first year I had my wedding venue, I didn't have a single wedding. Um, yeah, <laughs> because I am out in the middle of nowhere. No one drives by my place unless they're actually looking for my place. Like I'm not one that people are just going to find on their own. They have, I have to reach out. They have to find me by me advertising and sharing my space. Got it. So that, that makes sense. And I'm going to be, I'm curious later on, we'll, I'm curious about like what you're doing as far as marketing. I know you've mentioned bridal expos, but just kind of what your marketing mix looks like. But I'm curious before we get into that and just more about the venue, um, I'm curious about you. Like, how did you get into the wedding and event space? Like, why did you decide to go down that path? What was your professional background before? Um <laughs> I have kind of a weird path to this. So um, I was a mail carrier. I worked for the post office for over 20 years. Um, so I don't really have any background per se in in the wedding space other than getting married. Um, in 2015, my grandmother died um, who owned the venue. Um, and this was like a summer home for her. And so we spent a lot of time out there as kids. And even as adult, I took my own kids out there um, just for like weekends and family vacations. Spent a lot of time out there as a family. And, um, and then after she passed away, my husband actually passed away two weeks later. And then in the process of all going through all that grief and stuff, they decided they were selling the farm. And... I, I'm not going to say this was a well thought out decision because there was not a lot of thought process behind it other than I love that place and I didn't want to see it go. And so I bought it and then said, what on earth am I going to do now with this farm? You know, it's 
It's 30 acres. It's a three-bedroom home that was built in the 1860s. It's really more of a museum than a house. Um, and so, I mean, try explaining to your friends you've bought a three-bedroom home that you'll never live in. You know, that's kind of a little, <laughs> um, you know, I bought the farm. Yeah, It's just, so then, so then I was like trying to think, of, you know, what, what my grandparents had done out there. And I'd had cousins that got married. And like I said, it was just like a natural thought progression. It's like, if we've done a few weddings, we can do a few more. It just, it seemed to flow really well. And so then um, I worked with small business development to kind of give me a business plan and work through, you know, how to set up my business out there. And highly recommend working with small business development. They were hugely helpful. It's a free government program if you don't realize, if you've never heard of small business development. But um, they were hugely, hugely helpful and, you know, like, helping me set up kind of a business plan and an idea and, and getting, getting the business off the ground per se. That's and then, you know, I had this idea, I had this idea that once I said I was hosting a wedding venue, like I own a wedding venue, then people would just show up. I did, you know, outdoor weddings are really popular. And when I tell people I'm doing it, they'll just show up and I'll have lots of weddings. And that's not really how that works. You have to really market it. <laughs> So then I had to learn how to market it. And like I said, small business development was usually helpful with that too. So, You said you uh, purchased the venue in 2016, correct? Yes. And then for that yes. first year, there wasn't anything. So what was the difference between, like, what did you do in the first year versus the second year that maybe kind of started getting the ball? Because did you book any weddings or you just didn't host any weddings? I did not book and I did not host any weddings in the first year. Um, so the first year, like I, I hosted my own events out there. So I did, I did a big craft show, open house type thing. So people could come see it. Um, I hosted ghost tours, which were popular and made some money, which was good. <laughs> you know, I mean, very nerve wracking to own a wedding venue and not have weddings, you know? So ghost tours actually underwrote a lot of my bills, um, I also have like a cabin that sits on that property. And so that one I put on uh, VRBO and Airbnb and did the, the uh, single night stays in that one. Um, and so that helped my bottom line a lot. <laughs> and then I just uh, kept promoting it as a wedding venue. Um, I went to some went to some wedding expos. And like I said, I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about... Um, I did a lot of studying about the wedding industry itself, you know, just, you know, the very first thing a bride picks after she gets engaged is her venue. And so it's so important to like hit those brides before they even get engaged while they're, while they're dating a guy that they think might be the one. <laughs> and, and so then, you know, like, how do you do that? Where are those people at? They're, they may be at a wedding expo, but you know, I spent, Oh, way more money on wedding expos than I really should have to learn that lesson. <laughs> if you were going to go back and tell your your past self, you know, let's say in 2016, knowing now what you know just about the industry and about your business, yeah. if you would go back and give her 2016 Rebecca some advice as far as like marketing and promoting of your venue, what would that be? 
um, to not rely so much on expos. Uh, as a venue owner, that I I have booked very very few weddings from being at an expo. Um, to, to instead of because I went to like some bigger, more expensive ones when I first started. Like I don't I don't know if you've been to the expos, but they can be kind of cash or a booth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, you can spend a lot of money really fast. Um, and so staying away that my strategy currently is I don't go to the bigger expos. I stay to the smaller local ones. Um, you know, the ones that are only charging $50 for the booth versus, you know, the $500. Um, and that, and, um, I try to be more at like, um, at community events. So I found that I get more stuff from being at a community event. Um, like I set up my town's town fall festival thing. I'll set up a booth out there and just pass out flyers and just tell people that I'm out there because most people still don't even know I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm like three miles outside of town on a back road, which is amazing for a venue because, you know, it's private, it's secure. Included. It's surrounded by trees, so it's beautiful. It makes for gorgeous pictures, but nobody's driving by my place and finding it that way. Like it's me going out there and, and being in front of people's face so that, you know, three, four years down the road, when they finally get engaged, then they're coming and saying, Oh, I remember this place. It's out in the middle of nowhere, you know. <laughs> um I'm curious for anyone who and you know, I have I have your website. Uh, pulled up, so I'm looking at it. But we have a lot of our our listeners who are just on podcasts. So could you describe? It? And I mean, we're going to put links. So if you're watching on YouTube, you know you'll you'll be able to get the links. But for anyone who is just listening on the podcast side of things, could you just describe like what it's like being at the venue? Sure. So um, like the drive out there is almost part of the experience because you're on these windy gravel back roads um, for about three miles, and then you go down this really long gravel lane and my house sits at the very end of that curvy lane. So you don't even really see the house until you go around the corner. And then it opens up into this large lawn with my little red house that sits in the middle of it. And then there's another larger lawn behind the house. So it works amazing for weddings um, because I have basically two separate areas. So there's a, yes, the house sits in the center and behind the house, it's on the top of a bluff surrounded by trees and it makes for a really gorgeous ceremony location. And then in front of the house, um, I've got like a patio, a large cement patio there with electrical that they can put the DJ on and do dancing and have their big reception in front of the house. And so it just kind of, it's like two separate areas with the house in the center. So they can use that house for the kitchen and the bathroom and and that kind of thing. But it kind of, it's more outside space. Got it. But it has that natural separation. So when you're thinking about the flow, then is it, you know, ceremony on one side, folks walk around and kind of do the cocktail hour on that, you know, patio area. And then they're going around back to the reception. Is that kind of a normal yes. flow? Yeah, that's the normal flow. It's like, you know, they come, they kind of mingle and visit and then they move their way around for the actual ceremony 
Um, and then when the ceremony finishes, then they can walk back around to the front of the house and start the reception. And so then, you know, when the photographer is doing all of her stuff, she's got, you know, she's got that space. And then it it works it works so well because you know after they finish the ceremony they always have to take like a bazillion pictures and you having them all right there together not far away but far enough away where you know the the reception's going on and it's there and everybody's there but not not on top of them yeah totally <laughs> yeah. Did, did you know, so when you first bought it, you know, in the first, that first year, did you need to buy things like tables and chairs? Like what's included when you rent the venue? What is included with the space? Again, I'm kind of a non-traditional venue. I do not have tables and chairs. Um, they needed to, they need to rent that. Um, so like when I was looking at purchasing tables and chairs, n- number one, that's huge expense. Um, <laughs> as you, I'm sure well know. Tables and chairs are a huge expense. Um, Number two, you have to store those tables and chairs. And my outbuildings are pretty old with dirt floors. And so to like, I didn't really have a good space to store tables and chairs that wouldn't need to be completely wiped down and washed like in between. I mean, like every time you take it in and out, they would have been. And and number two, I'm only one person. you know, moving tables and chairs and everything around is a lot of work. So um, I went over to like the rental place and my rental place is not very far away. They bring everything over and they deliver it. Um, And they have like five different chair styles and they have round tables and square tables and long tables and short tables and arbors and basically anything that somebody would need for a wedding they have at the rental place. And they have tents. They, I mean, like they, they, they printed off like 14 pages of all the different stuff that they have at the, at the venue rental place. And I looked at that and I said, well, I don't need to buy all this stuff. They've got it. (laughs) Is that you're saying it's not, not traditional. And I know you're pretty close to the Mississippi river, correct? I am. Yes. Um, and I know there are venues. So here, you know, we're here in California. There are some venues that have, you know, provide tables and chairs. There are some that aren't. Some of the ones we manage. I mean, we spent just over fifty thousand dollars at one of the venues in tables and chairs. And so it was like, oh, I can see where you easily can do that. Oh, it, it, it yeah, tables and chairs is such a big expense. And like a lot of the a lot of the other venues in my area do provide tables and chairs, but they charge extra fees for that too, for using their tables and chairs, which I can understand because that's extra work from the venue owner for using the tables and chairs. Um, my fees are a little lower than other places because I do know that they're going to have the added expense of tables and chair rentals. The other advantage I like to point out to my brides with that is that, um, and they can select exactly what they want for their wedding. So they aren't confined by my table and chair choices. They can use whatever they want. Now, if they want to go for the the ritzy glam stuff and rent, you know, the chairs and the chair covers and all the, you know, I mean, you can go totally wild on the the rental stuff, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> um, and and I've had brides spend like over $5,000 renting stuff. And then I've had brides that, 
were able to borrow the chairs from the fire station and didn't have any of that extra expense. It just kind of depends on the bride, their budget, what their vision of the wedding is. You know, I, and to me, I like to make sure that the bride knows that um, her it's her wedding, it's her vision and her choices. So she can choose whatever she wants for that. And, uh, you know, I know, I know some venues are not as <laughs> open-minded about that sort of thing, but I, I like to give them those choices. That makes sense. I, I, I think one of the most beautiful things about our industry is that it's so, there's so much variety. I mean, I'm talking to you Absolutely. and you have a haunted wedding venue, right? Like that's, yeah. I haven't interviewed someone who has that type of venue before. We, there's ones that are urban, there's, you know, more rural, there's, there's so many different types and there's so many different types of packages and inclusions and things like that. So I don't really think there's like a, a right way per se, but you know, there is a way yeah. that works for you and your, your brides. I am curious, typically, do you have an idea of how much on average people spend at your venue kind of overall, even a range? Um, when they factored in some rentals, you know, the- Yeah, I was gonna say, I would guess between, um, between a thousand and 10,000. Um, and again, that's a pretty wide range because, you know, some of the brides go go simple, as simple as they can, and and you know borrow chairs or or just show up. And I've had them just even do it without chairs at all. You know, they just have a quick short ceremony, and then everybody goes home. Um, so so that that's the low end of the scale, and then the high end they rent. Shoot, that one that one girl, man, she <laughs> she rented. You know the 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 linens and the bar and I mean, gosh, I had never seen all the rental stuff she showed up with, but it was a gorgeous wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. Um, but I kind of like being able to, you know, give give that bride those choices. You know, making it so that if they want to keep it affordable, they can. You know, so so much of that wedding stuff gets so pricey so fast. So I like to be able to say, you know, this is your wedding and you can make your own choices about how much you're spending. So. Totally. Yeah, because they don't have to fit into a certain package or anything like that in terms of like food costs or anything. So when your your venue sounds, you know, pretty, pretty well-defined like blank canvas venue, right? It's a blank space. Yeah. You get to come in and make the venue your own. Do you have a preferred list or like specific vendors that you typically recommend that they work with for those things? Or are they able to bring in whoever they want? What, what's your thinking around that? Um, I let them bring in whoever they want. Um, I I have some a list of some that I've worked with in the past. And like the rental companies, I have two rental companies that I've worked with in the past. Um, and catering in my area, catering, there's a lot of changeover in the catering business. It seems like every time I turn around there, one's going out of business and another one's here. So, um, that part of it, like if they ask me, I have names of people that we've worked with before. Um, but for the most part, that's up to them. They can use whoever they want. In, in your area are 
weddings, would you say weddings are kind of like a, a big business or or not as much? If you were to kind of like look over the industry, maybe in a 30 mile radius of where you are, are there a lot of venues? You have a lot of local competition? Um, I have some local competition. I do. Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but I definitely have some local competition. Um, my competition gives like a, an entirely different wedding experience. Like I said, my venue is almost entirely outdoors. Um, so like my competition has almost entirely indoors space. Um, all the other spaces in my area for the most part are indoors and they might provide a small outdoor area. But as far as being outdoors, I am the only outdoor venue in my area. Got it. So, very cool. Does that kind of force you to be more seasonal or not as much? Sometimes it's a little hotter, sometimes a little colder. Um, I am very seasonal. Um, I, I was, again, I'm in Illinois, so we definitely have weather issues. Um, so I would say my primary weddings take place between May and um, November. Um, Earlier than May, we're dealing with some spring rains and stuff like that. Um, I've had a few weddings in April. I've had some gorgeous weddings in April. Um, all the, everything's flowering. You know, I've got trees that flower and it's just absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Um, so yeah, I've had weddings in April, but most people would prefer to wait till May or June. July, I typically don't because July is so hot <laughs> and everybody thinks hot and steamy um but i will say that um august and september can be just as hot and steamy as july but for the most part i don't get a whole lot of weddings in july but then it picks up again in august september and october i am booked for october 2024 already um because my trees are amazing in October. Um, when I hit those, those fall days with those trees, it is gorgeous. And then with being haunted, of course, <laughs> everybody wants to do those October ghost hunts and weddings. And, you know, my, my niche audience there really likes the October wedding. So that's kind of a, a big thing. That, that makes total sense. My birthday's in October, actually a couple days away from from Halloween. And so, yeah, it's, I, I can imagine the, uh, the interest and the excitement kind of around that time. I'm, I'm oh, curious yeah. per year. So given the seasonality and things like that, about how many weddings, uh, are you doing currently? And then is that kind of right where you want to be? Are you looking to book more, reduce it a little bit? Cause it's just you, like, where are you at in that? Um, I'm doing, I'm doing around seven weddings a year. Um, I could probably do a few more, but I think I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, my my ghost stuff fills in my off season. So when I'm not rented for weddings, typically I'm rented for a paranormal overnight. Um, so, and that is just like a paranormal team that books my place to spend the night and try, try to find a ghost. <laughs> so, and this is completely not related to, to, venues and weddings. So, you know, hopefully my audience doesn't mind, but I'm curious about that. Like what, what does, what is a paranormal, like when someone comes there for that side of the experience, what are they looking to do? You said it's an overnight, they're hoping to find a ghost. I mean, what is, what is that experience like? What are they looking for? Um, yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, what they, what they do is they bring in a whole bunch of like scientific equipment for the most part. Um, K2s, REM pods, and I mean, there's a bazillion types of equipment and they'll bring all this equipment in and they'll set it up with cameras and they'll sit there all night and hope that something happens. And, you know, I can't guarantee any activity. It usually happens for them and they get all excited. <laughs> um, but typically it's just, I, I open the door and hope something happens for them. And um, I think ghost hunting, the ghost paranormal field is like super easy because they are always amazed that I have electricity and running water and heat. They are just like blown away that I actually have like <laughs> a real building. Um, because I mean, these people are used to doing like abandoned hospitals, abandoned prisons, um, like Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky is a big one. And that one is an abandoned tuberculosis asylum that only has electricity on the very first floor and no heat in most in 90% of the building. They have like one room with heat and air conditioning, but they're running out a big building that does that's essentially abandoned. So when they come to my place, which is nice and I've got running water and electricity and heat they're all excited and they're like oh gosh this is so nice <laughs> so yeah it's just basically opening the doors and letting them in and hoping that something happens for them very cool and then they're you know capturing that on camera or it's experience or whatever I I'm this is so just so fascinating what do people typically pay to rent a house like for a night for something like this um, I charge $250 a night for that, hmm. um, which I'm kind of actually on the lower end of that scale. Um, some some of the bigger, more well-known locations charge over $1,000 a night. So it just kind of depends on that location, the size of the location, and how well-known they are. So. Huh. And is it, does, can you charge more if, you're more likely to see have a like a paranormal sighting or something like that. Like how how does the how do you increase the amount that you're able to charge? Uh, by becoming more well known. So the more teams that you have come there, and um, the more the you know the more videos you get on YouTube, the more excitement builds. The more you can charge, um, and it kind of takes a while. It's not like. Like I said, I tell people my wedding venue is haunted. And they're like, well, why? Why is it haunted? <laughs> and I don't have I don't have axe murders or anything like that. That's not my my place is a happy home that they just chose not to leave in the afterlife. So it's kind of a little bit different. Um, I'm not too far from Velisca, which is the axe murder house. Um, Velisca charges quite a bit more. <laughs> um, I I think they're they're right at. I think they run around between five hundred and a thousand dollars a night, and they don't have electricity. <laughs> oh, wow! And that's maybe because there's a uh, kind of a heightened sense of you know fear yeah. or yeah, totally. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Very cool. You're mentioning teams. Are these uh, typically you know couple people, six, seven people? Like, do you have a range of how many people are on these teams? It just kind of depends on the group. So each each group, uh, they come together and they form a team is what they call themselves. And then it just kind of depends. Um, I say up to 10 people because that's the size. You know, I've got a little three-bedroom house. So more than 10 people, I don't think they get as good of an experience. 
Um, so that's typically what I say, but, um, if they have a few more, that's not, I I'll charge a little bit extra for more people just because like I said, I want them to have a good experience. So I try to keep them at that 10. That, that makes sense. So this house that you're talking about, the, the red house that is in all the different pictures that is different than the cabin, correct? That you were saying you originally were Airbnb. Yes. Yeah. It's on the same piece of property, but the cabin, like I said, I've got 30 acres out there. So the cabin sits at the bottom of the bluff on the Mississippi river. So it's only like about 200 yards from the house, but you can't see it at all from the house because it sits, you know, there's like 150 foot height difference <laughs> um, between, between where the venue is at and where the rental is at. Um, so that one's just a little tiny one room cabin that was built in the 1940s um, that, you know, I stuck it on Airbnb. It's got a little beach with it. And, you know, you're right on the Mississippi. It's gorgeous. I love it. That's one of my favorite places ever to be. Um, and then I'm able to add that onto my wedding packages. So, um, so part of my package is that they can spend the night in the house. Um, and then if they want to add on the cabin to the wedding package, they can add that on. Um, so like, you know, because they always have family coming from out of town. Um, they're it, it, it never fails. It seems like they have a mom or an aunt or an uncle that's coming to help them out with that wedding. They're coming from out of town. And what better thing to do than stay at the venue location to help out with the wedding? Or the couple themselves, you know, like when they finish with the wedding, they can go down to the cabin and spend the night at the at the venue. So then they don't have to leave. Totally. Do you have people? So is I'm curious, is the cabin haunted as well? <laughs> uh, not that I am aware of. Uh, yeah, I've had people like try, but we haven't really had a whole lot of luck down there. But not or at least not that I'm aware of. That makes sense. I'm, it's so interesting kind of combining the two things. And so as I'm thinking through some of the different questions that I that I ask venue owners, you know, I'm thinking insurance. I'm thinking, you know, the packages, obviously we talked about some of that, the rentals, the things like that. Um, in terms of insurance or like stuff that you require your guests to get, is it harder to insure your property or do you require them to have insurance? Um and if so, is it more expensive because it has that haunted element to it? <laughs> um, well, I, I have a commercial policy, obviously. My, I have a commercial insurance. Um, the weddings and events, they need to get an event liability policy to cover the event. Um, for the overnights, for the ghost stuff, um, my insurance views that as just like a, a short-term rental situation, so, which is basically what it is they're just spending the night um and then you know they just have them sign a liability release waiver you know and just kind of a kind of a reminder that it, this is a historic home and please respect the property blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> so very cool no that makes sense i was curious i i wondered if the having a be haunted or something somehow made it more of a liability or something for the insurance company. But no, it totally makes sense. I mean, it's essentially an over. I was going to say, don't tell my underwriter that. But <laughs> no, they they know what I'm doing out there. They know what I'm doing out there and they're totally okay with it. Um, you know, and each insurance company is a little bit different, as I'm sure you're probably aware of. Each insurance company has different requirements. 
my insurance company is more worried about the weddings right now. That it seems to be what they are concerned with, the liability of having a lot of people out there and stuff. And so so the event liability policy is something that they insist on for every wedding. So yeah. which makes sense. Totally makes sense. You got yeah, and that's I mean, for the venues that we manage, that's always something that I'm thinking about, right? Like what what could happen? You've got all these people and there's drinking and different things. So Yeah. In terms of the stuff like so food, we kind of talked about a little bit, but in terms of bar, is that usually something that's covered by the catering company or um, do people just kind of bring in the alcohol that they that they want to have? What are policies around that? Um, again, I leave that up to the wedding couple. Most wedding couples, it's BYOB. I mean, they, they either bring or supply their own. Um, I've had a few that have hired um, uh, bartenders and like when they hire the catering, sometimes I'll hire the bartending service through that. Um, I have like big cattle troughs. Um, <laughs> and so they'll just fill those up with ice and throw the beer in there or sodas. Um, and typically that's how they do it. Um, again, I make sure that, you know, they, they know that I do not provide alcohol. That's not something that I offer. And that, that part is totally up to them and how they choose to do it, which actually some of them really like that because I've had a few alcohol-free weddings that appreciate knowing that there's no alcohol on the property. So That's huge. That's awesome. Rebecca, this has been really cool. Like this is, like I said, the first time that I've ever talked to someone who has kind of that, that haunted side of the venue. A lot of times there are multi-purpose venues, but nothing, nothing like this. So this has been really really cool to hear about this and um i'm excited for people to check you out i mean do you have so i'm curious do you have links to videos or movies or anything that are already on youtube that we could that we could put in the link below so people could check it out oh for sure in fact um like on the on the ghost part of my website tab i have a two videos like youtube videos linked on there so that um like people, people looking to rent me, rent my location for, um, can watch some videos of other teams looking for ghosts at my place. So, um, uh, you know, I had so many people when I started doing both that told me I couldn't do it. And honestly, the ghost side picks up with the, you know, the wedding side is only seasonal. So then when I flip seasons, then it, the ghost stuff kind of takes over. And so, so having both sides of of the business makes it so much more viable and profitable. A question that I realized I didn't ask. Do you live at the property as well? No, I don't. <laughs> I live, um, actually, when I bought it, I lived 45 minutes away from the property. Um, so I've moved closer. I'm now only 10 minutes away from the property, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I don't live on the property. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I was, anytime you're living far away from the venue you manage or that you own or you work at, you know, figuring out how you do the coverage and handle kind of when people are there. Is this something where anytime there is a rental, you're there on property or do you have team or just do you let them use the space? I just, I just let them use the space. Um, so the package I try to steer them for towards is um, from Friday evening till Sunday at noon. Um, I want them to have that whole weekend package because honestly, if I only give them Saturday for their wedding, 
they want to be there Friday for rehearsal. And, you know, it's just like, well, then I have to go out there again and I have to go out there again. And, and uh, I, I prefer to just, you know, hand over the keys, tell them, you know, this is your time and your space. And then by giving them till Sunday at noon, that gives them plenty of time to clean the venue because cleaning is on them as well. Um, like it, I charge extra if I have to clean. <laughs> um, I mean, I clean obviously in between each thing, but I want them to pick up all the trash and the garbage and return it as best they can. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Then that, that saves me time too. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do that Friday through Sunday and then they can have rehearsal, they can set up, they can clean up and they're not rushed. I don't like them to be rushed coming in and out because, you know, I have a historic property and, and I find when people rush is when things get broken um, or damaged. So if I give them plenty of time, have, give them more relaxed experience, you know, my, my couples really appreciate that. They appreciate being able to come out there and have this whole wedding experience weekend, um, you know, and it's a three bedroom house. So they can spend the night in there too um you know and then like they'll, they'll have the whole wedding party all the bridesmaids will spend the night in the house or something like that and just have this this amazing weekend with all of their family and friends to celebrate their wedding that's so awesome well rebecca thank you for coming on the show today uh, just sharing the cambry house and farm with us and kind of your your journey through venue ownership um it's been it's been super neat and we'll have links to your website and even to some of the, the YouTube videos there for everyone if they want to check it out and they're kind of more curious about this paranormal side of it as well. But thank yeah. you. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate you reaching out. It's always, so I, I do a lot of podcasts talking about the ghost sites. So it's kind of fun to be able to talk about the venue side of things. Last question before we go, and really it's a two-part question, but it's something we ask everyone at the end of the show. Uh, what's your favorite part and what's your least favorite part? And let's start with the least favorite part Oh, about owning the venue. Then the, one um, the least favorite part is when, um, it's when I get people who are super picky that are just like nitpicking every detail and like, they want to know, well, um, am I going to mow? Am I going to mow before they go? Yes, I'm going to mow. And then. Uh, or they show up and they're like, the barn is not clean. It's it's a barn. Okay. <laughs> you know, or, you know, just that the the ones who have like a completely different expectation of what I am. That is the worst, you know. That I hate that. <laughs> that part that part's so terrible. It's like, you know, I some people you will never be enough for. And those are the ones I I hate that. Nice. And then, and, and I can only imagine, I mean, if you have a rustic property, it's like, it's a barn, like you said. Um, what about your favorite part? Um, my favorite part is when my special space becomes their special space. So like, this is a very obviously special, much loved property for me and my family. So then when it becomes somebody else's special space, that's my absolute favorite part. I have one couple that got married. Um, they got married on the 4th of July. They eloped. 
They didn't even tell any of their family at all that they were getting married. And so they eloped on the 4th of July. And so the following year on the 4th of July, they came out and they took surprise baby announcement pictures. So they did the, the whole surprise baby announcement pictures at my venue you know, with the sonogram and then they surprised their family again on the 4th of July with this, you know, that they're expecting the baby. And then, um, and then, and they were due like around the 4th, you know, it was just, I don't know, they, they were able to do the one year or, you know, able to bring out the baby for the newborn shots and at my farm. And it just, it's, it's so cool when, you know, when I hear the brides talk to me and tell me like, how much they love my place and and how much they love spending time out there. That that makes sense. And it is so neat. I think that's something that I hear in common uh, across this industry. Like it's, it's, you know, you get to share something that is special to you and it becomes part of the history and the, you know, part of their family and part of their experiences that they, that they cherish. So that's awesome. Well, Rebecca, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Uh, Cambry House and Farm. Well, again, we'll have links for everyone. Uh, you guys are on Instagram as well? Yep. I'm on Instagram and TikTok too. Perfect. All right. Is What's the best place to reach out to you if uh, someone wants to reach out and ask questions about either the wedding side or the, the haunted side? Um, anywhere, really. I'm Cambry House pretty much everywhere. So um, I... I Again, it's just me, so I manage all the socials. So any of those socials that you reach out to me on, I will be there. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Thank you.